in a week that saw five new restaurants listed in the Michelin Guide, Irish restaurants, that is, uh, bringing the island's starred restaurant total to an all-time high of 21. Not all the news in Irish dining is positive at the moment. And last week saw Chameleon, a Dublin stalwart, close its doors for the last time. The restaurant, located in Temple Bar in Dublin, ceased trading after 25 years, going out in style, apparently, with the packed house and possibly their busiest night ever. And the owners, Kevin O'Toole and Carol Walsh, uh, are with me now in studio. Start with you, Kevin. What were the last, co- what were the last couple of nights like? They were an emotional few days. <clears throat> a bit of a roller coaster. It was busy, uh, thankfully. And um, <clears throat> we had regulars coming into us that wanted to get in for those last four days that had been coming into us for nearly 25 years. Um, so I popped out and I had plenty of hugs and kisses. And when I'm in the kitchen, I stay in the kitchen, going out, pressing the flesh. That's for the uh, the, the, the the Michelin stars and the fine dining boys. Um, <clears throat> so it was Ouch. lovely. It was, right. uh, no, no, and congratulations to them. Well <laughs> yeah. done. Um, but yeah, it was really emotional. So every night I was out shaking hands, hugging people, kissing people. And even customers that I never met face to face before, I went out to one guy and uh, his wife and I went to shake his hand. And he said, no, 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 give me a big hug. And uh, they were panning over gifts and stuff. It was really weird. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Right, it, it, yeah. it was rich. And it's, because it's, you went public on yeah. the fact that you were going to close. Carol, it was really you studying the figures yeah. uh, that brought this decision about. Yeah. Um, so I, I do all the bookkeeping, <clears throat> excuse me, and accounts. So I kind of knew this year was going to be tricky, especially with the fat increase. And I said to Kevin... Uh, recently we're really flying close you know to the edge here because we had put any of our own savings in we were kind of we'd nothing left to put back in and when the VAT and the wages became due I knew we just didn't have enough to to pay both You see I know that the um, that your industry are very cross about the VAT but I mean, if you if you take people who had their salaries cut, when they go back up, it's called restoration. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was up. And Michael Noonan took money from people's savings, other people's savings, to support the 9% one and said it would be short term. Indeed. Um, but in the interim, everything else went up. Insurance doubled, rates went up and all the other costs. Yeah. And I, when we decided, when the VAT went up in January, we looked at our price range and we realised we couldn't really go up much more so we just increased our prices by a very minimal amount because you know you have to see where you fit in the in the market yeah there's no point overcharging and not lasting so we were trying to we were it was a fine line and we thought we would make it but unfortunately it just didn't happen you know there's also uh you know, a lot of big uh, new openings in the area, which will always have an initial impact on you. So I saw we dipped a little bit because of that. But we were hoping to gain momentum coming up to Christmas because that's always our busy, busiest period. Of course, period. I can imagine. But that, as well as um, the chef shortage and another chef handing in his notice, when I looked at, I actually did a SWOT analysis on whether to go public or go quiet. Yeah. And um, when we looked at an, another chef leaving and Kevin trying to run the show himself till the end of the year, I was afraid he'd be taken out again in an ambulance. That was my main concern. We also didn't want to lose any standard by ta- lose our standards or drop our standards by taking on unskilled people to work with us. Yeah. You know, so it was a combination of I things. gather there is an extraordinary shortage of chefs, stroke cooks, chefs in, in the country. I've heard that we could use seven 
thousand more? Yeah, yeah. There's a terrible shortage. I, I lost one about two years ago, and I didn't even I didn't even try and replace her. <clears throat> then lost another one, didn't even try and replace them. So we had to tighten things up, simplify the menu a little bit, um, close Mondays and Tuesdays, you know. And I just there just isn't enough money being put into the education of chefs. Is that it? That's one of the reasons. And also, then you have the issue with work permits. You know, it's difficult to bring people over and and and, and hire them. Um, <clears throat> but we have free movement. Excuse me, please. Brexit and all that. Yeah, we we have free movement from within the EU. Um, are you talking about outside the EU? Um, um, okay, initially I was. Well, but, you're, of course, even, it's Far East, Far yeah, Eastern Asian food. Yes, yeah. yeah, but any chef can be trained up to cook any kind of cuisine, really. Um, <clears throat> but it's just the cost of living is another major factor, too. You know, you, you, might, you might talk to a chef who might live outside of Ireland. You go, yeah, I can pay you this, I can pay you that. And you go, great, yeah, I'm all on board. Then he looks at where you'd have to live or what he'd have to pay in rent and go, nah, it can't happen. Yeah. I can't do it. So yeah. it's it's a myriad of factors. There's so many different factors that came into play. And for us, it was kind of a perfect storm scenario, you know? Right, yeah. Very tough to do it after 25 years. Very emotional. Extremely. We've both actually cried and laughed. And we've had great... Uh, last week, I could feel the love. It was amazing. I mean, people on the phone. One day, I went into the office, which is in our house, to answer the phone at 9.30 in my dressing gown and I was still there that evening at 7 in my dressing gown just people ringing just to say we had our 18th birthday there we had our 30th we had you know so it was very emotional very nice and we received an awful lot of flowers and chocolates and uh, bottles of wine and gin and so on so well, well sorted for wine But the industry, people were excellent too. You know, I mean, we're not in competition with other other, uh, restaurants. They all came in for a meal or they sent their regards or they phoned us. Great support from them. That's very nice, isn't Mm. it? Tell me how it all started. It started with you, really, wasn't it? Yeah. But longer than 25 years ago. Yeah, so I've been in the building for 30 years. I had, uh, I lived on the top floor. I had a dance studio on the middle floor and I had a little coffee shop, veggie coffee shop on the ground floor. So um, that was in 1989 and um, ran that for a couple of years. And then Temple Bar was being redeveloped. They were putting down the cobblestones and they were building the art gallery. So I was cornered off. So I closed for a couple of months, went travelling, landed in Indonesia. And when I was in Indonesia, I was having a meal in Ubud one night and I was just sitting down eating this most fantastic food that I'd never tasted before. And I went, why don't we have this in Ireland? Now, I know you could get rice chaffle in Ireland at that time, but you had to book it a day in advance and it was quite expensive. And I just wanted to bring it in for the masses, you know, I thought, actually. It would be for the masses. It turned out to be um, a bit more uh, restrictive than that. But when I was there, I just came back with that inspiration. And I had a friend who was a chef and his mother was Indonesian, so we chatted and that's where the story began, basically. And then we were only open six weeks and we won um, the Beck's Taste of Temple Bar Awards and that sort of... Kicked you off. Kicked us off, yeah. yeah. And, and when did you get involved? Mine just blow in. Um, <laughs> uh, Sav and Carol met about 20, 21, 22 years ago and I was working in different restaurants. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, well, I didn't want to work with a woman I loved because I figured that would just make, it, make a complete mess of things. Uh, I would have thought it was dangerous. <laughs> high well, stakes stuff. We've had ups and downs, you know. But uh, when Carol was expecting Max, who was almost 18, it kind of made sense that I, I'd go over to the chameleon and a few years later I moved into the kitchen. Right. And uh, stayed in the kitchen ever since. Okay. And, I mean, you said there rather alarmingly that you didn't want him to go out in an ambulance again. How did he go out in an ambulance? How did you go out in an ambulance? (laughs) Um, Well, I had a seizure. 
<clears throat> a year previously, I was uh, doing a little catering gig for, for a neighbour and a friend, and the lights went out at three o'clock, and it turned out I had a tonic-clonic seizure, full epileptic seizure out of nowhere. I never knew, right? I, I'd never had one before, so I took the entry-level meds, and one year later, at about 9.30 on the Saturday night with a full restaurant, the lights went out again. So a combination of stress, tiredness, pushing too hard. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I haven't had one since, and that's seven years ago. Yeah, no, that sounds logical as an explanation. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I contacted a buddy of mine who who has an ambassador for Epilepsy Ireland, Ricochet, actually, we went to school together. And he uh, he was very good. We had a good chat about it. So you just I developed more of an understanding, and I... You know, I still work hard and I and I train, but I just like to get my once I get my six hours sleep, I'm fine. Okay. You know? Now you have also been through the mill because uh, you were through cancer uh, yeah. while you were pregnant. That's right. So ten uh, every woman's <laughs> nightmare. I know. There's something about October and me. Uh, actually, on the first of October, uh, ten years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I was 35 weeks pregnant. So that was a roller coaster, to be honest. Um, you were 35 weeks pregnant? Yeah. And you hadn't realised you were pregnant? Oh, How no, could I, you get to 35 weeks? No, I knew I was pregnant, oh, but right. I didn't realise I had breast cancer. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah, sorry, sorry if I, I said that the wrong way around. Um, I just went for a, a check, a little checkup, uh, because I found lumps and I presumed it was the milk coming in. And I went to a doctor actually in Temple Bar. She wasn't even my regular doctor. I just thought I'll pop in here quickly. And when I was driving home, I had a phone call then from James's to come in the next day. So I was diagnosed there and then. So basically, um, yeah, two operations very quickly to one to uh, deliver the baby by C-section and then a week later then mastectomy and then straight into treatment. So that was pretty hard, hard going. Oh, it certainly was. Mm-hmm. Um, physically and de- desperately, emotionally. And the, 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 the restaurant couldn't close. No. no, we kept it quiet actually because I had a fear that people would think, oh, you know, she's really ill, we won't go in. You know, people tend to move away from you when they think you're not well because they don't want to be annoying you or whatever. So we just kept it very quiet and I just got a wig that looked like my own hair and within a couple of months, you know, back on the floor. I stayed on the floor up to about three years ago and um, yeah, we just worked through it, basically. You have to, you know, it's like, we're sort of like, I think restaurant people are like show business people. They smile when they're low and they just keep going. Uh, and just get on with it. Mm. Um, you, you mentioned there about new, bigger restaurants. But is the restaurant scene changing in in Ireland, in Dublin? Like, there's one element that says, with all those successful restaurants that we're talking about there, um, that it's, you know, it's never been better. And at another level, it feels not that great and overpriced. Yeah, the fear, I think, with Dublin is it'll become very generic and it'll be just all chains, you know, because I know a lot of people who were trying to get leases to open maybe number two of their little restaurant or whatever, and they found that they just can't get in there because of the prices, you know. What kind of prices are you talking about? Well... Key money, I don't know, people are talking about something like a hundred to 200,000 and that's before wow. you put a penny in, you know, and you wouldn't see a 100,000 going on a fit out of a kitchen alone. So, you know, when you add up how much it's going to cost to get started, say, for example, a round figure of half a million, you know, you have to get that back before you make one penny profit. Yeah. Whereas, like, when I started The Chameleon, I know it was 25 years ago. Yeah. Now, we did, I did have the lease, which was the main thing. But we just went to the Asian market with 250 euros and we got onto a few suppliers, or 250 Irish pounds as it was at the time. 
you were able to start off then on a shoestring and give it a go. Whereas now you actually, it seems you need big money if you want to be in a centre in a, one of the cities. Right. And if you take also Temple Bar, I mean, it was very exciting when Temple Bar was developed and people have come from all over the country and all over the world and want to see it. Last time I was there was on a weekend. That was a long time ago. And it was like a vomitorium and I haven't been back since. What's it like there now? Um, I don't think, I think it's lost that tag, you know, because it is kept, a lot of money is spent on keeping the area clean constantly. Right. It's still very busy at the weekend, but I've noticed over the last few years, which is is quite nice, is you see a lot of children and families now. Well, that's nice. Well, I would imagine that during the day. Yeah, on But Sundays. I'm just talking about beating somebody for a meal on a Saturday night, which I haven't done for a very long time, for very good reason that I'm here. Mm. Um, like... It was a heartbreak, you know, that a dream had turned into what seemed to me on a Saturday evening to be just a mess. You get a lot less of that now. Good. That was tidied up maybe five or ten years ago. You get a lot less <clears throat> of that ten men walking abreast for the stag party. A lot less. Some, yeah, they, they purposely kind of discouraged that about ten years ago. Right. Because they realised that groups like that actually spend very little in the area. They spend it on pints, yeah. on fast food. They don't spend it on quality accommodation and they don't spend it on um, <clears throat> eating out in nice restaurants. Yeah. So they realised that it was actually uh, causing a, a negative impact on the area. Right. So they purposely kind of went a different route. So do you still have the lease on the building? Yeah, there's five years remaining on it. But, so um, what's going to happen for the next five years? So, well, we have to discuss that with the landlord. It's <laughs> They're not too happy I'm leaving. However, you know, I've been there for 30 years. Yeah. So, yeah, I really don't know. That's that's yet to be decided. Yeah. And you were around the corner from um, a sound studio. Yeah. Our film studio. Um, Both? Paul Bowers. Yeah, studio where, well, a lot of Irish acts would have worked, including you two would have recorded Octone Baby in there. And And you feature... Very slightly. We fed... Uh, Tell us. <laughs> when they were recording Octung Baby, um, we fed Bono and the lads um, for every night. We'd, we brought around their lunch and their dinner. Now, dinner could be at 11 o'clock at night, but we didn't mind. So one night we were around there and they were delayed. They were still in the studio and they were, uh, they were stuck for a chorus vocal. So what they did was they got anyone who was around to go into the studio and basically sing a note, really high-pitched note, and then they put it on the reel and they reversed it. And that's actually in there somewhere. It's on Rider White Horses. <laughs> so we do feature in a small way there. Do you like? Well, that must be a bit of a thrill. So, I mean, the great and the good, I mean, you were talking about the masses, but you had very, very, very distinguished and famous, you know, yeah. uh, people through. Tell Over us who you, yeah. So Johnny Cash came in for champagne, uh, but I didn't have champagne, but I, prom- I got him to sit and stay and have something to eat and drink. Uh, Bono and Gavin Friday and Larry Mullins and... Billy Bragg, we cooked, uh, they paid in um, the Olympia one night and they came around to us around half eleven and we cooked dinner for them, closed the restaurant, they came downstairs, him and his team, uh, him and his band and his backing people. Um, Minnie Driver was in, Alan Rickman, total gentleman. I served him myself. I said, Mr Rickman, it's a pleasure to serve you. And he went, oh my darling, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> so that was delightful. Right. Um, Noel Gallagher from Oasis, Tom York for Ra- from Radiohead, Sinead O'Connor and Ger Ryan in a couple of times. Uh, Hothouse Flowers Stephen Gately was a really good pal of mine in my dancing days he came to my classes oh right so he came in from Boys On Lainey Kyo Jill Dando actually had her last meal with us and then lots of that's extraordinary she was murdered the following day yeah yeah 
Yeah. And she was a beautiful woman, like she was very quiet and genteel. Right. And then lots of local industry people and Irish actors and so on. Right. Mm. Um, it's, it's all very sad, isn't it? What, what are you going to do? Me personally or yes. us? Yeah, both <laughs> of you. Starting um, with you. Starting with me. Well, I actually, I already started. I'm, I started teaching in Crumlin College, trying to work on that shortage of chefs we talked about. Yeah. I'll be teaching the apprentice chefs. Um, I meet my first group of apprentices this Monday coming. So I'm really looking forward to that. I, I can't wait. And what are you going to put them through? <laughs> well, there's a curriculum, so I can't just make up what I want. Oh, right, OK, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'll have them for three weeks' induction. I'm really happy to have joined the, the uh, culinary team in Crumlin College. They've been really welcoming to me. Um, there's a curriculum, they'll be with me for three weeks, and then we'll have them a couple of days a week, and then they'll be in industry. So they'll be earning while they learn, you know? So All we'll, right. we'll bring them through the L- curriculum. Like an apprenticeship. Absolutely. Great it, idea. It, it, it is yeah. an apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, as a chef, we, I'm used to working hard and keeping busy, so I'll have my weekends free. I mean, today, it'd be great. I get to watch the sport. It'll be the first, uh, uh, the first match of the rugby I've seen. So I get to see that. I get to see Ireland playing tonight. Fantastic. And you say that you couldn't attend your son's matches. I've missed so many of them. Yeah. yeah. Max plays League of Ireland and I've missed so many matches. And you do feel a little bit guilty for that. Of course. So now I get to make up for that. You know, right. um, I, keep, I keep busy. So I have a few more things on the go too. So Very I, good. Yeah. Carol, what are you going to do? So, well, I'm a qualified biokinesiologist. Explain I... to people what that is. <laughs> okay. So basically, it's a non-invasive treatment whereby I would muscle test a person to find if their body has... Um, example, food intolerances or if they have any digestive issues, I would go to other enzymes and see if they were too high or too low. I also deal with the endocrine system, liver circulation and and, um, I would help people with low mood, sleep disorders and anxiety. I got into it, our son, our little boy who I was pregnant on, who was 10 this week, um, uh, three years ago when I left the floor. The reason I left the floor was he was uh, diagnosed with autism. So I, that and my cancer treatment, I had uh, gone to a lot of kinesiologists myself. So biokinesiology is kinesiology, but it has, it's also got chemistry and anatomy and physiology involved in it. So right. it's quite a big learning curve there. Yeah. So um, I really got involved to help the family initially, um, especially Lachlan, because he had suffered an awful lot from anxiety. And he told me uh, only recently that last year was his best year ever. And that was coming down to getting to the root of how I can help him, what he's missing in his body. You know, and mainly B vitamins, to be honest, and some zinc. Right. Helped him get on the road. And um, I've only been able to do one day a week because obviously of the restaurant. So I intend yeah. to um, uh, push my practice, hopefully, and, right. and go into that. And are you still living there? In No, we live out in Kildare, New York. Ah, right. Yeah. 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 Because, I mean, obviously with the kids and all that, I, I don't know what size the place upstairs was, yeah. but I presume it would no. have been difficult. The reason I came off the floor was when Lachlan was diagnosed with autism, one of us had to decide to spend more time to work with him and get him so we could stay in mainstream school and yeah. uh, make him as happy as possible. Well, well that's what, mm. what you would wish to do. Now, the other thing you've done, which I think is is amazing, is you have got a job for... All your staff. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Um, <clears throat> well, they're kind of like family. Some people are with us years, you know. And, <clears throat> and I didn't want them being left in it, uh, walking around in, in the autumn with their CV in the rain. So I, I have a lot of contacts within industry. So I sat down with a pen and paper last uh, Monday night, wrote all the names down, thought of the places that I know that would be a good fit for them, where they'd fit in. Because that's really important when you work in a restaurant. You need to fit in with the team. And you can't fake it. You need to be happy. You know, then you'll stay longer. Yeah. And I thought about 
their own personal circumstances? Do they have kids? Where they live? Will it be on the Lewis line? Will it be feasible long term? So yeah, I hooked them all up. So it's great. I'm really well, happy that, about that. that is fantastic. How many staff are you? Fifteen plus yeah. and us too. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of staff. <laughs> yeah, and you were afraid that you wouldn't make it to pay all your suppliers. Yeah, so this week has been, I've been in there every day returning any supplies that we can to obviously reduce the debt. Um, we didn't want to any supplier to, you know, be left with a large bill. We kept the, the, I kept the bills really tight all year because I said to Kevin, we're like hand to mouth here, you know. Yeah. And um, so we kept them all really tight and then we've re- uh, uh, re- sent supplies back this week. So nobody will get really badly strung, thankfully. Right. When they come to the creditors' meeting, I don't think I'll be... <laughs> there, will be a, there will be a creditors' there meeting. Will have to be, yeah. yeah, what's ahead of you now? Yeah, I'm not actually looking forward to the next month, to be honest, because physically moving out of the building, you know, even when I, we're going in now today to, you know, we're, next Saturday we're having an open day because we have a lot of nice art works and so on, and customers have said, I love that lamp or I love that picture. Okay. So we're literally selling off everything, paying off as much debt as we can. And moving on. Right. But we will stay in the food industry. Even with my biokinesiology, it's directly related to food, diet and nutrition, lifestyle. Okay. So, I mean, do you have to go through all these procedures? Yeah. Yeah, gather they're very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Not looking forward to it. (laughs) But the people we've been dealing with for years, and there's not one of them that I won't be able to look in the eye when this is all wrapped up. You know, yeah, that's that's really important. People we've been dealing with for fifteen to seventeen years, but I will probably go catch a beer with them in a couple of weeks when this is all wrapped up. Yeah, and that's important. Yeah, and like phoning people, saying, "Listen, this is what's happening." You know, we're not going to. You're not going to make it. We're, yeah, we're not going to drop you in it either. We'll do everything we can. So okay. it's important to keep that discourse open. Yeah, and not run away and hide. Yeah, because some of those meetings can be very angry and very aggressive. I know, Marion, but we decided we wanted to go out as honestly as possible. That yeah. we didn't want to sneak off and hide. You know, we're prepared to, uh, as I say, nobody will go down for any large amount. To be honest, most of them are under €1,000, oh, right. which is not much. Yeah, It'll be more sort of the banks and revenue and those people. Yeah. And we pay that. Um, <laughs> that's That'll come to us. That'll follow us. Mm. You know, so um, I think what is really important is your reputation and you want to take your reputation with you. And we're leaving with a really good reputation in relation to our food, but also in relation to our character. There you go. And who's to say that you wouldn't come back in a different kind of incarnation when all this is over? I Mm -hmm. mean, I don't know what conditions will be put on you, nor do you, I presume. Mm -hmm. Um, But you you do never know. Anyway, I wish you the very best. I really, really do. Let's have a look at some of the calls. Um, Well done, Kevin and Carolyn running a family business for 25 years uh, in the heart of Dublin. Not only was the food amazing, but like every small business, they purchased locally and kept buying from the small artisan producers. It's devastating to see this amazing restaurant close and that there's no name with that. Uh, Now, from a supplier, I've been a supplier of Chameleon for 17 years. This is a business that brought something exciting and exotic to Dublin, and it's a real loss to the restaurant scene. The costs and pressures in this industry are shattering good businesses, and we need a proper government strategy to help 
operators. Marion, that's a different subject, Uh, had many a great night in the Chameleon. The food was always fantastic. It will be uh, sadly missed and more and more and more. A very, very, very nice comment to you from suppliers, as you say, uh, and um, clients. Anyway, I wish you both uh, the very best and thank you so much for coming in. Thank Thank you you very much for having us.